encourage and strengthen them. And Lord, help these kids to grow up to know, love, and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, kids. Um, this morning, I just want to encourage you at the end, I'll try to remind you at both, both ends of the church, we have a gift for moms and all adult ladies here today because all of you mean so much for us. So all of you adult ladies, we have a gift for you, okay? Because we know that many of you who don't have uh, kids are, and have had kids that grow up and they're moved off, that you have still have been and still are investing in the lives of these kids and the lives of others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that we could come and, and worship You and that we could just pay tribute to um, Your perfect plan in the sense that in the beginning, uh, You gave Adam a perfect helpmeet and You gave every one of us a mom. And uh, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for the role that they play in our lives. We ask that you would bless all of the ladies uh, here today, that you would guide us as we look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to continue, and and there's several significant things in the news. I just wanted to go over one line that hopefully... Of, of Tanya's poem that hopefully would uh, encourage each and every one of us, men and women alike, uh, youngsters and adults alike. Um, and that is uh, part of the, the phrase, who transforms duty into joy of service. Uh, duty into joy of service was a part of the line in that poem. And... Boy, there's been some big news this week, okay? One, one of the big news articles that I read or uh, topics that I read about this week or heard about this week is that um, the U.S. birth rate hit a historic low this last year. Uh, that we are now a dying nation is one way you could say it. Uh, but there's other significant news, maybe more cheerful than that, a lot more cheerful, but puts that sentence into perspective of, because this lady's going to have a lot of duty to take care of, and she needs to have that transform into the joy of service. But uh, in the U.S., a few years back, there was a lady that had eight little kids at once. Now there's a lady from Mali. And they took her out into a better hospital out of the nation in Mali, South Af- Mali, Africa. But she had nine babies. Wow. Talk about a lot of work. Well, that's, that's exciting. Uh, children are a gift from the Lord, aren't they? Right, moms? Yes? Uh, just think about that mom with the nine kids. Okay, so there's nine of them, and how many times a day might she have to change the diapers? Several times. We could, we could make it an even number. Ten might be too much. I don't know. Uh, but that would be 90 times a day times seven. 
whatever that is, is a lot of times a week. That's a lot of feeding those little tykes as well. But children are a blessing no matter how difficult, how much work they can be. They're a gift from God. And going back to the other, it's just been an attack on on our culture for a long time that, you know, uh, you don't need kids. Kids aren't that important. Well, yada, yada, yada. But when we read about uh, this from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention National Center for Health Statistics, that the data, which was gathered from 99% of birth certificates, birth certificates which were issued last year, that it is down, that it's dropped down um, across all ethnic groups to below replacement levels, which means that we're, we have more people dying in the United States now than being born. And so this, the CDC says we're below replacement levels. And this is the largest drop since 1979. Now there's a lot of people who thought, man, there's going to be a baby boom. Because, you know, when there's uh, blizzards and people are shut in at home or this or that, there's tends to be baby booms. And they thought, well, people are going to be home. And with this pandemic, there's going to be a baby boom. And people are going to start naming these babies, you know. Uh, um, what's that? Corona. Or maybe, I doubt anybody would name them pandemic. But anyway, uh, <laughs> lots of different weird names people were given, uh, coming up with about what they would name their babies. But that didn't happen. There was no baby boom this this past year, although I heard a few people say, yeah, well, we tried to contribute to it, uh, which is good. Uh, but there's just been attack on the nuclear family for many years, and which means there's been attack on the, the idea uh, that children are a blessing from God. And, and some of the reasons there's been an attack, or we know that there's been an attack, and, and really these are just outworkings of this attack that that babies aren't good and that a nuclear family isn't necessarily what's desirable is that abortion is something that, that's been taking place and people are on board with it, that, that it hasn't been put to a stop, that you know you can just look at this baby and it's a mass of tissue in the womb and now they say, well, the doctor shouldn't have a right to look at the child and say what its gender is. But there's been an attack there. There's an attack on marriage that marriage doesn't matter. Uh, maybe even that uh, living together or divorce is embraced. Um, that you can choose to have a family later in life. Your career matters more than a family. Um, there's a lot of areas where a nuclear family has been attacked. Uh, there's even um, Radical groups today that are attacking nuclear family, the, the idea of a nuclear family, that fathers and mothers are important for the community. Uh, we could even say climate change is, has been an attack on, uh, they've used that as an attack on uh, the nuclear family. Hey, shouldn't have so many kids, we shouldn't do this, we shouldn't do that uh, within the family uh, because Mankind is a blight on this earth, which is all false, all wrong, all unbiblical. And now they're trying; they're wanting to say Happy Birthing Persons Day. Have you heard about that? Happy Birthing Persons Day. Nah, 
Happy Mother's Day. So here, uh, this morning, let's consider the moms here. Um, You know, moms, from the very point of conception, if we go all the way back to that, you have nurtured that little one. Even from the beginning, within your womb. And as these children are born, you help them grow. You help them to develop into young men and women. Uh, First off by not only taking care of them with changing of diapers, but giving them food to eat. The nourishment that they need. You think about this time of year uh, with house plants or garden plants that you drive up to mills. It's busy. Right? Linda knows. People are buying these little plants and we're going to try to take them out and set them on a windowsill and never water them and let them dry up and die. No, that's not the plan. That happens once in a while. The plan is to put them in nice fertile soil and give them the water and the nutrients that they need and, and give them the nourishment they need, that they need so that these plants can grow and become strong throughout the whole summer start producing themselves, reproducing themselves. And so you think about it, nourishment. And so this morning, um, we want to look at, after all of that, um, Next slide, please. We want to look at how uh, we are to be nurturers. Okay, The title here is Nurture. And nurture means care of and encourage the growth or development of. Right? We want these youngsters to, to grow. So they need, what the, they need food. They need water. They need encouragement, they need protection, they need spiritual direction, they need moral direction, they need guidance in learning how to take care of themselves so that they, as they grow older, you can loosen those apron strings, right? Let them do more and more on their own and then eventually cut those apron strings and they're off on their own, they're galloping around ready to go full steam in the world today. But nurture means care of and encouragement, encouraging the growth or development of. And so, we're going to start at an odd place. I want to get to 1 Timothy 1.5, but let's go to Matthew 28. And I want this to be applicable for all of us. So we're going to go to Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, it says... Right? Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of, of the age. And we've had missionaries here this last, oh, a week or two ago, I forget, and we're having missionaries next week and maybe the week after. And it's not just for missionaries. <laughs> and being a nurturer isn't just for Women, let's put the word in there instead, discipleship, which means evangelism, allowing God to birth a new child of His through the proclamation of the gospel, and then helping them to cultivate and grow into strong believers. 
And so we want our little ones to grow up to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Hopefully at some point, at some age, they'll trust in Jesus as their Savior and they'll begin to grow in Him and your faith will be passed on to them and it'll become their faith, right? That they'll have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want them to grow up in Him, right? We also want to reach those who have not heard the gospel. We want those who have heard the gospel to turn to Jesus and not just be little babies, Spiritually, they need to grow. And so this isn't just for missionaries. This is for all of us that we make disciples by proclaiming the message. And maybe we're not involved in the aspect of the part where they're birthed out into new believers. That is that we are involved in the proclamation of the gospel at the moment that they, they said, oh yes, I need Jesus. And they become, they make that decision. They turn to Jesus. They confess their sins. They accept him into their life. Maybe we're not a part of that, but we all are a part of their growth. And therefore, when you look around, look at around at each other. Do you realize you are part of each other's growth? Oh, look, some of you are still looking at your Bibles. Look at each other. You affect each other. Hopefully positively, but also negatively, right? Have you looked around? You can look at your family. That might be more comfortable, Right? But you are involved in some way, even if it's a passing word once a year, okay? The goal, though, is that it's a conscious act that we do in the sense that we're willing to invest in other people. Now, we obviously have our little circles. If you... uh, hang out with me or you come in contact with me more often than than I come in contact with someone else that's kind of my little circle right you're involved in my little circle so some of us don't really have much contact with each other but the circles that we're involved in we need to have more influence in the sense of we need to be more involved in trying to reach out and trying to help them grow in the Lord in the sense that we are people that are always looking to Jesus, always sensitive to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit's leading and always willing to put other people first. Because the growth of the body depends, in the body of Christ, that's all of us, depends upon our faithfulness to let the Lord lead us as we seek to care about and benefit one another. And we're going to discuss two charges today in the last ten minutes. All right. So, first we are charged to look at 2 Timothy, actually, yeah, 2 Timothy 3.15. Go to 2 Timothy 3.15. We're charged with or charged to nurture other believers to sincere faith. Nurture others to sincere faith. Uh, and there's a couple of references here. First, 2 Timothy 3.15. 2 Timothy 3.15 uh, says, oh, I am in the right spot. And that from childhood, you, that is Timothy, Paul speaking to Timothy, have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so right here we look at this passage, that is, this person Timothy was nurtured into a sincere faith. Okay? 
He was nurtured into a sincere faith. It didn't happen by osmosis in the sense that he wasn't burdened into the family and then burdened into a faith, and he just sat around and nobody put any effort in teaching him. Here we find that there was effort. Because someone made him able to know the sacred writing which which are able to give him wisdom, which leads to salvation through faith in Christ Christ Jesus. And so the challenge for us is to see, hey, well, VBS is important, Sunday school is important, and time at home spent with our kids, teaching them is important. And sadly, sad to say, every opportunity we have is an important opportunity that we get to instill biblical principles into kids' lives. Uh, helping with soccer this year, little youth. Uh, sometimes I get frustrated at good news because the kids quit listening. And the Lord put on my heart, Lee, these kids love soccer. They love running around. And there's important lessons. Athletics at times have been stripped from their value because we've stripped the, the opportunity to point out how we should respond biblically to the situations that we're put in within athletics and rodeo and work. If we never talk about how this applies to life with our kids when we're out there on the ranch or farm working, if we're never talking to these kids about what this is really, what's really important, we've lost it. Okay? So a question for the kids was, well, why are we playing? Who, more important, who are we playing for? Who are we playing for? Well, we can have fun, right? Even if you lose. Sometimes you gain more spiritual growth if you lose. Sometimes you lose it all, right? (laughs) Adversity can help us see where we are But who do we play for? Who do we work for? Are we working for the glory of the Lord? Are we working for Him and for His pleasure? Say, Lord, I love you. I'm doing this. It it stinks right now. You know, I don't want to be fencing out here in the hot sun with these rose shafers all around me. Okay? Anybody know what those are? I'm praying that they don't show up this year. Try to fence with those puppies around, those little bugs. Well, I can give the Lord glory in that, maybe. (laughs) By my attitude and by putting Him first. Okay, I'm taking way too much time here, but, but nurture includes teaching them the Word of God from their youth. And Timothy had been taught the Old Testament from his youth, which enabled him to understand the reality of who Jesus was, which brought him to a sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So nurture includes teaching them so that their faith, your faith even, is passed on to them. And, and Timothy gained salvation through the teaching of the Word as he came to understand who Jesus was. His faith grew as he gained wisdom from learning God's Word. He gained wisdom. We want our kids to be wise, right? We want them to make godly decisions, not just to have a head knowledge, but an understanding and a discernment to be able to make a decision, especially in the, in the crisis that will come in their life. We also see in 2 Timothy 1.5, so, so go back a page, 2 Timothy 1.5, page or two. 
For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. So one way that we nurture faith is by teaching the truth of the Word of God and teaching the principles of the Word of God, not just as we sit in the classroom, but as we live life. But as we live life, we're giving them an example of sincere faith. We can nurture sincere faith in others by having a sincere faith. And Timothy had unfeigned. Another word I like to... The King James here, unfeigned faith. Unfeigned faith. He had this unfeigned faith because of his, grand, his mother and grandmother, because they had this sincere faith. They had this genuine faith, a wholehearted faith. And the, the opposite of sincere or unfeigned is hypocritical. So they did not have a hypocritical faith. They lived out their faith. This faith was even, it, it even means it's a strong and pure faith. And I'm sure that his mother and grandmother, although, never mind, I'm sure that they were not perfect. But you can tell the difference between someone who has a sincere faith and one who wants you to think they have a sincere faith, but instead they're a hypocrite. Timothy's mother and grandmother had it in them. They, they lived it out and they taught it. And that's the reality. And I want you to understand that this is an aspect that needs not only to, to be something exhibited from the adults and families to their children, but from children to other children and adults to other adults. Other adults. Especially within the, the church family community. And, and the first aspect of nurturing others it, it, to grow, whether physically or spiritually, is that uh, there has to be the giving of um, sustenance. And our sustenance comes from a relationship, and I would say the Word of God, but it comes from a wholehearted relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It includes the Word of God. But it means that you're a person that, that walks with Christ, spending time not only in His Word, but time in prayer. Right? And if you say, oh, I, I pray all the time, but you're never in the Word, I would say then you're doing a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. Okay? And then, if you're like me, I, I'm fine in any relationship. I can listen a lot. <laughs> right? <laughs> But am I talking? So if we're just reading and not spending time in prayer, we're missing something as well. But live that out. And, and we, need, we need to invest in one another. And so I, I want to point us to that reality, that truth, that, that we need to invest in, in one another. We need to invest in our children we must take the time to teach the Word of God. We must take the time to try to feed the, uh, on the Word of God ourselves so that we can live out the Word of God and they could see it in our lives. You know, mom and dad have a bunch of bottle lambs and a few weeks back we were sitting out there looking at the lambs jump around and skip around and, and uh, it's pretty cute. And then the little bottle lambs come running up 
uh, to the fence there, and, and they were getting bored with us, but that one of them still w- really wanted some sustenance, wanted some milk, right? And he started nibbling and trying to suck on the, bar- the, the wire off of the fence. If we're not giving the nourishment that is needed, where are our kids going to go for it? How involved are we in the lives of one another as well? If we're not getting what we need from the Word and from the body, where are we going to go? Where are people going to go? Another thing that you see is even though they don't eat a lot of grass, but those lambs and calves, they, they begin nibbling on the grass just like their mamas do out there. You can look out into the fields and see the cows grazing along and the calves will come. Usually they're playing, but they'll, sometimes they'll start nibbling on that grass, doing what their mama does. Do they see that in us? Do they see that example? And are we showing a good example to one another? We have to nurture others to sincere faith. And it includes more than just our relatives. It includes our church family. So the charge from the Lord demands that we be nurturers. Second, we are charged specifically to nurture others to love. And let's, let's briefly go through this. And I want you to write down a couple of things within your notes. I didn't put these down other than the source of love. And there's three sources, okay? So we need to nurture others to love. So 1 Timothy, let's go to 1 Timothy 1.5. But the goal of our instruction is love. That's the main verb right there. That's the main idea in this passage. This is the goal. This is our hope. This is what we want to see is love from a pure heart, okay, and a good conscience, and a sincere or unfeigned faith. And so there's three sources, I would say, that gives you the ability to have this love. This, there's three sources that people need to have the, what we want to see the goal of, which is love. So there's three sources here. First, it's from a sincere heart. That is, it is real. Okay, It is who you are. Uh, think of Psalm 51.10 after David had really messed up one of his prayers when he realized, finally realized, I, I sinned. I sinned not only against Uriah, but against God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. A sincere heart, a pure heart. In, in Titus 3.5, we have been washed, our hearts been washed through regeneration, it says. How do we have a pure heart? It's faith in the Lord God. It's allowing Him to change uh, us to give us uh, a new heart, a clean heart, a pure heart, and uh, also that leads us to a new way of life. And we're going through these really quick. It's also another source is a good conscience. If you have a sincere or pure heart, it will lead to a good conscience. Okay. But 
It is a conscience that is not seared or warped. Good means perfect, one that produces well-being. And we know the conscience is the, is the God-created self-judging faculty of man. It either affirms or accuses a person. Um, there's a couple of references. Romans 2.14-15, through 15, Titus 1.15 as well. But it is a God-centered mindset that leads us to a good conscience. And some people have had their conscience seared because they're always looking at things that are unbiblical. They're always saying no to... to so there's a whole other discussion that we could have on morality and the mores of culture. Okay, Somebody's, come, Somebody in a really twisted culture can still have uh, a good conscience but as they grow up they continue to see this as the evil is okay bad as good they're searing having their hearts seared or the not their heart their conscience seared and they don't know the difference between good and bad and that's just to sum it up because i've taken way too much time already but the reality is the conscience can be changed through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but the conscience, if it is seared, is at work against the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And that it is not sensitive to that conviction. but from a good conscience. And so hopefully we are all attentive to the Lord. We're all allowing Him to guide and direct us. And therefore, we're very sensitive not only to Him, but to a good conscience, a pure conscience. It is also from an unfeigned faith, which we already talked about, unfeigned or sincere faith. Uh, And the context here, folks, when you look at this passage, look at the context He's speaking to Timothy because there are people who are teaching false doctrine, teaching bad things, and living lives and trying to lead others to live lives that are very sinful and against the Word of God. And yet they're posing, they're posing as, as people who, of faith. So note the context here. There's false teachers had opposition to these sources and, and they were doing the opposite things of love, right? Okay, and so we, we must have faith centered on Christ that leads to what? To love. If we're devoid of love, then we have to go back and reevaluate exactly who am I following? What am I following? And so love is the goal. Okay, here we're at the end. Love is placing others before yourself. It is what leads to ministry and therefore leads to a person having a nurturing nature where you're putting others first and you're seeking to invest in them in such a way that they're growing positively in the right direction and and that means they're growing closer to Christ. They're growing closer to Christ. They're being encouraged in Christ. And so when we look at these passages, we also need to understand what, is, what does love mean though? Well, we're to in, second, in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, what is the command that Jesus says? The greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with everything. 
right? And then love one another. And another passage would be 1 John 4, 7 through 11, but because I'm so windy, we're not going to go there. But have those two in the right order. Love the Lord your God with everything you have first. And then others. Remember uh, a few years ago, I think, we used the acronym JOY, and it's in a song. Jesus, then what? Others, and then you. Jesus, others, and you. And the question we need to ask ourselves here today is first, is this a charge really for me? Am I charged from the Lord to be a nurturer? And if I am, what does that mean? And yes, obviously there's different stages in growth, right? Hopefully we're not going to be those little ones that are still on milk as, as we find in Hebrews. You, get, you know, And Paul also talks about, hey, you guys are still where you shouldn't be. You're still infants in need of, of people trying to give you everything you need all the sustenance you need for growth, when you should already be on that solid meat. All right? Eat beef. Come on. No, eat solid food. Get into the Word. Know what the Word says. Grow in the Lord. And so there should be stages. We shouldn't all be babies anymore. We need to be mature adults. But sometimes, you know, we may think we're a mature adult, but we're not investing in others. If you're not investing in others, then you're not a mature believer. Okay? But there's different stages, and hopefully we're not just getting what we think we need, but we're giving what others need. And even if you're that mature adult, you will still have needs. We all need one another, and we need the Lord. We need the Lord first, so we need Jesus, and we need others. And so when we look outward, it's Jesus first, others, and then us. So a question for us is, how do we nurture through ministry? What does ministry mean? It means service. Serving. So ministry is or should be nurturing. And how do we nurture ministry? So how do we nurture through ministry... How do we serve in such a way that we're benefiting others? And then how do we as a church teach each other or grow in the understanding of how we can minister? Are we teaching the right things in this church so that we are all mature believers investing in others, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. It's clear as mud. Some of you have different hobbies that I probably will never try to do. Some of you have hobbies I would like to do. Many of you have jobs. I don't fully understand everything that's involved in those jobs, right? With that, you have different circles of influence. What I'm saying is I can't be everywhere at once and you guys don't expect me to be, praise the Lord, (laughs) because you know I can't be. And some of you know my inadequacies, okay? But together, as a church, we fill those 
areas and we're able to minister in all those areas, are we taking advantage of it? Where do you need to be involved in ministry? I'd like you to pray about that this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one here today. I ask that you would bless them, guide them into what it is that you want them to do. We all know that we're supposed to be reaching others with the gospel, encouraging others with your word and helping each other grow in the word. But Lord, help us to know in specific ways uh, how we can do it in, a, in these specific ways, in these special ways. Lord, we ask for your, your strength and your guidance today as, as we go out. A lot of us have a full plate. And many of us are still struggling with past hurt. Many of us uh, will will have to deal with uh, difficulties that come our way that we are not we don't see yet. So Lord, help us in those moments and help us to be sensitive to one another when we're struggling because of those uh, difficulties and heartaches and pains. Help us to be sensitive to one another's needs. Lord, help us to know how to minister to one another. And help us to know how we can reach the lost with the gospel. We thank you for the mothers. We thank you uh, for all the adult ladies here today. And we ask that you would bless them in a special way this week. Uh, Watch over and protect and bless the moms. We'll be having youngins graduate as well. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take up this morning's offering, a missionary offering.